Wow, it's great to be with you. I, uh, I thought I would be back in attendance. This is my church. I don't attend here. Um, I'm interim pastor over across the lake, and I thought that uh, by this time of the summer that uh, an interim pastorate would have ended, but surprise happened. Life happens, and uh, that's not the case. But I'm glad to be back, glad to be worshiping with the praise band and the choir. That's great to uh, be in worship with you today. When uh, Pastor David asked me to, to share with you uh, he and I talked about what he was preaching from, and, and I hit on a passage in Psalms that I wanted to share with you, and not realizing at that time that it was one that was going to minister to me dramatically during this past week. Our daughter in, in uh, Phoenix and her son are going through some very difficult times as Colin and Angie and, and Dylan are going through difficult times, and, and this passage has meant so much to me this week. It's from Psalms 119, verses 57 through 64. And it is a passage that talks about the law. That's what Psalms 119 is about. But it is speaking about God who is our portion. This isn't about great tragedy, this passage. It's about everyday life. It's about facing life with all of its bumps and grinds. This past week, uh, one of my co-mentors, co Andre, sent me a message, a uh, text. You know, we communicate by text today. I guess that's uh, everybody. I'm trying to get into that. You know, being a missionary, coming back to the United States, and you guys had, had, had left everything that I was familiar with, so now I'm texting and doing all that kind of stuff. But um, Andre sent me a message. He says, he says, here's the situation as I understand it. I can praise God when everything is K, okay. But when nothing, nothing is K, I want to be the guy who can praise God. When nothing, nothing is okay, we can still praise God. That's Andre's struggle. That's a psalmist struggle. Several years ago as a missionary, we were working with missionaries. We were in Egypt and, and we were working with missionaries who were engaged in, in ministry during the first intifada, the uprising of the Palestinians in in the occupied territories of Israel. And one of those dear missionaries came and she was visiting with us, getting some relaxation. Cairo was an R&R site if you were in Gaza in those days. And she came out and just to breathe a, a fresh air and relax. And she said, you know, Mike, it's not the bombs, it's not the mortars, it's not the big things that grind me down. It's everyday life. And so it is that uh, I turn to that. By the way, the, the place mark is uh, also a reminder of, of this, mass, this message. In Afghanistan several years ago, I met a little Christian lady, a follower of Christ from Islam, and, and she uh, embroidered that 
And it reminds me today as we struggle with things, there are people all around the world in more difficult places than we are who are trying to live with God as their portion. So look at this scripture with me. Psalms 119 verse 57. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and I turned my feet to your testimony. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, the earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. At first reading, you may think, this is the psalm of a man who's arrived. This is the psalm of a woman who's arrived, who's got it all together, who's solved it, who has the the center of their life set in God and, and is facing life confidently. But if you read this passage more carefully, you see conflict and struggle. You understand that this is a person who knows the truth and is seeking to walk in the truth. I hope that sounds familiar to you. I hope that sounds like something that you're doing. It's what I'm doing. It's what most of us are doing. Facing everyday life with the Lord as our portion. There are three pictures that are, lie behind this word, my portion, in Psalm, 50, uh, Psalm 119.57. My portion, the first picture, is a picture of inheritance. And it goes back to Genesis 31, where Leah and Rachel are finally getting up with Jacob to leave their father's house. And as they look back towards their father's house and as they look forward to the uncertainty of Canaan and and being Jacob's daughters and not Leban's, uh, Jacob's wives and not Levin's daughters any longer. They faced the reality that they were giving up an inheritance and claiming an inheritance. The first picture of God as our portion is he is our inheritance. He's our share of the future. He is, he is that which we receive because we have a birthright. We as children of God in Christ Jesus have a birthright and it is not wealth or or popularity or land. It is God himself. He himself is our inheritance. He himself is our portion. We can face everyday life because he is our portion. We've been singing this morning about God and his greatness and his majesty. And he gives all of that to us. He calls us his special treasure because he has paid a great price that we might become his inheritance as we claim him 
as our inheritance. And so Rachel and, and Leah recognized that they were going from one place to another in the, in the standing of inheritance. Their portion was identified with Jacob and our portion is identified with God. We can face daily life because our portion, our inheritance is sure it is God himself. The second picture is just slightly different. The second picture is uh, fixed in, in the view that not only is God our inheritance, he is our sure and secure place. And the, and the way portion is used here relates back to Levi, the tribe of Levi, who had no secure place in the land of Israel. The other 11 tribes received a plot of land, a portion of land, a share of land that was bordered by this river and by that mountain range and by this tribe, and it was set and sure. That was their security. Even today in Israel, if you ask an Israeli, what is their security? They will tell you their land is their security. That's one reason why the Palestinian-Israeli conflict is so difficult because Israelis understand land to be their security and their secure place given to them by God. And so it was that in Deuteronomy 10, 8 and 9, God speaks of the tribe of Levi, the tribe that was ministering in the temple, the singers, the ushers, and the, and the priest, all of them dealing in the holy things of God, all of them really focusing on making worship happen for the people of God. And God said, they're not going to have any land. Pardon me? They're not going to have any land. Their portion is me. Their secure place was not a plot of land, a city and strong walls. Their secure place was God. Those who worshipped God were to be focused and centered on God. And they weren't to be about the business of keeping cities and lands safe. They were to be focused on the center of their life, the Lord God Almighty. A secure place whenever I thought of that in this past uh, couple of weeks in preparation for this I thought of Oysterman in Barataria Bay and elsewhere my heart goes out to them because they were just going about their daily life they were doing their thing and they were approaching their best season of the year and someone else's error destroyed their life their secure place the oyster beds that they had tended suddenly were wiped away or closed to fishing in some cases I growing up in South Louisiana had always considered oysters sort of my secure place if I was going to eat Seafood, I was going to order oysters if, it, if they were in season. Sort of a little comfort place that we have. But the oystermen, it's not just their comfort food. It's their very life. 
And so I thought about this, the loss of your secure place. If our secure reality isn't centered on God, it's transient. We who know Christ and have been redeemed by the power of the cross have the opportunity to have our center, our secure place in God. Yet many times I spend my time parceling out little pieces of security to supplement, augment, or distract from the fact that the Lord is my portion. He is my secure place. The third picture of portion is not quite as pretty as those two in one half of it. The most frequent way we think about the portion of the cup is in negative judgment. It is in God's judgments. In Psalms uh, eleven six, the scripture says, Unto the wicked he will rain snare and fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. Their judgment, God's judgment on them is negative because of their action. But portion is also used in the positive sense. Just across the page in my Bible in, in Psalm 16, 5 and 6 it says, And the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. The cup, the portion of the cup is a picture that is throughout the book of Psalms, throughout the book of the Old Testament, the books of the Old Testament. God is also recognizing that there is judgment that must come. Judgment for what we've done and what we've said and judgment for who we are. And there are two cases of judgment. God's judgment is always right. It's always pure. None of us will be able to stand before God and say, no, you didn't get that quite right. He will have it exactly right. When he says to you, well done, my child, welcome to the rest of your Savior, you won't say, well, but, but, It'll be the right judgment. And so portion, my portion, the Lord is my portion, has all of these three concepts in it. It is talking about the, the really, real reality that we have an inheritance who is God. We have a secure place who is God. We have a God who is faithful to judge rightly and is holy in his judgment. And it is this concept that, that the psalmist is building his, his psalm around. Having such a God as this, how do we face life? Having such a God as this, what does it mean to us? today and there there are some thoughts here the first thing I would point out to you is that if you look at verse 59 he said I consider my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies the first thought is that we live today 
we experience today with the reality that his way is guidance to us. He is our portion because he is giving us guidance for everyday life. When I was thinking about this, I was trying to get the cause and effect of this. Is, he, is it he is our portion and he guides us? Or is it he guides us and so he's our portion? And I would think about it for a few days and it would flow one way and I would think about it a few days and it would flow the other way. This isn't really cause and effect here. This is reality carried out in daily life. He is our portion and part of being our portion means that he gives us guidance. He has complete communion with us every day and his word is a word of guidance to us. The psalmist says, I have considered my ways. I have listened to your judgment. I understand what you're saying about me and I have turned my feet toward your testimonies. And then he says, I hastened and did not delay. A lot of people give us advice. Advice is free in many cases. But God, when he speaks to us, many times when I consider that he is my portion and he's trying to guide me in my daily life, many times I pause and I think, well, do I want to do that? Do I want that to be my way of life? And it's really only when big crises come that I recognize how foolish it was to delay, how foolish it was not to receive his instruction immediately and build my life around it. When the big things come that go wrong in our life, then suddenly we say, oh, I wish I would have let God be my portion in guiding me in my daily life. The good news in that is whenever that awareness comes to us on a regular day or on a crisis day, he still is there to guide us. He's still ready to give us direction so that our daily lives can give glory and honor to him so that our daily lives can reflect the fact that he is our inheritance and that we are his children. A second thing that that this brings to us is comfort. The psalmist says, the cords of the wicked have encircled me. You know, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but I know what I've experienced. There's a lot of bad that goes on in our world. Sometimes it looks like the world is just going more and more wrong. I don't know exactly what the psalmist experienced, but we've experienced it. You've experienced it in your life. The city's experienced it in our government and in different things. And we, we have a mayor now who has said he, has, he wants to draw us together to hire common good. That's a complete reversal to what we normally think about government, to hire common good. What he's saying is, what the mayor is saying is, yes, there is wickedness and there are evil things all around us, but that we can take comfort 
and we can bond together and we together can be better than we've been. And that's what the psalmist is saying. When the wicked wrap their ways around me, when they, they try to make me conform to their pattern, then I will not, I have not forgotten your law. In the midst of difficulty and oppression and conflict, I remember you. It really doesn't do us any good to have God as our portion if we do not remember him and remember his standards. When temptation comes remember his standards when wicked men and wicked situations come upon us the psalmist says I have not forgotten you in those times and secondly he says at the midnight hour I rise to give you praise there weren't electric lamps back in that day He's not talking about getting up in the middle of the night, turning on his light, and going and reading his Bible. Midnight in his day was a confusing time. It was a time of darkness. It was a time when confusion would easily beset someone. He says, at the midnight hour, I rise to give you praise. In the midst of confusion, I am comforted by my portion. He gives me his presence in the middle of the darkness, his light in place of the world's darkness. And thirdly, this reality, this portion becomes our reality because we have companions, comrades in the way. I am a companion of all those who fear you. The, the word companion is really a weak word for what is here. It is a comrade at arms. It is someone that you can put your back up against as they fight the foe facing them. You're fighting the foe facing you and you're each protecting each other's backs. It is a picture of warfare. It is a picture of strength in the bond of unity. I have companionship with all those who fear you. When God is our center, when he is our inheritance and our secure place, we find quick fellowship with those who are like us in that. Conrads for dark days. Conrads against oppression. Conrads for the higher good. And then he closes this psalm by saying, the earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Loving kindness, sometimes that, what is translated as loving kindness is, is referring to the kessid, the, the covenant-keeping love of God. That's not this, but that's one of the ideas that is sort of related to this. God's, God's desire to keep his covenant, God's commitment to keep his covenant. What is really behind this word is the word loyalty. God's loyalty. The earth is full of God's faithfulness. Stop and look at this world that we live in. Consider 
the people around you. Consider all of life and recognize it is filled with the loving kindness of the most powerful and wonderful God, the God of the Bible. And so we have these outcomes that the psalmist points to, outcomes that he's struggling to make real in his life, outcomes and causes of his turning to God continually to make God his inheritance and God his secure place and God the basis of the essence of his life that, that results in judgment. But what about us today? What about this idea? God is our portion. Well, the first thing we could realize is God is the portion. The reality is there is no other inheritance. There is no other secure place. There is no right judgment except God. And we need to agree to that. We need to recognize that and let that be the center of our life and let that be an anchor point for us. God is the portion and then we need to ask ourselves, is he my portion? Have I claimed him? Have I let him have the central place? Or have I relegated him off to a back room of my heart and my life? Is he off there where I can consult with him on a hard time, difficult opposition, I want to call on him, but everyday life, eh, I can take care of that. Everyday life, I'll be in control. Frankly, that's what the world sees in most of religion. The world sees us scurrying to God when difficulties come. And he is there for us then. But what he is hungry for, what he has paid the price for with the cross of Calvary, what he has demonstrated by the open grave of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, is that he can be our portion for everyday life, that he can give us the anchor we need to face today. And that's what he's hungry for. You say, wait a minute, I, I, I didn't think God needed anything. And yes, that's true. He is complete in himself. But he created you that you might worship him. He created me that we might claim him as our portion. And today, he awaits. Think about it. The God who is, the creator and sustainer of all the universe, the 
The one who holds our breath in his hand waits for us to claim him as our portion. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you're worthy of all of our praise. You indeed are the portion. And this morning, as we come before you in worship, as we've worshiped in singing, and, and as we've looked at your word, Lord, we want to just honestly open ourselves to you. There are many of us who are struggling with different things. And just now, Lord, we come in the fresh hearing of your word and we want you to be our portion. Whatever decisions we need to make to make that reality, I pray, Lord, that you would guide us to that. Whatever decisions we need to make to make this the reality of our life, Lord, lead us to that in this, this moment of worship, we pray in Jesus' name.